old now, but we remember him because his technology is all around us. I prefer Apple, but that's another story. Well, Bill Gates' current net worth, personally for him, is $100 billion. Do you get that? That's a US dollars, which is 30% more than a, an Australian dollar. 100 billion. That's one with 11 zeros behind it. I can't imagine that. I just can't get that into my head. Very rich. But Bill and Melinda Gates started a foundation a number of years ago, and that foundation has given. $50 billion away of his money, $50 billion. And it's been used to help countries that are lacking in education. And he's got a project trying to find the cure for malaria at the moment, which I think is the number one killer in the world. So that's generous, isn't it? $50 billion. With his current 100 billion in his pocket, someone recently worked out that if he spent one million dollars a day, it would take him 247 years to spend it. Now, you mathematicians out there, just stop now. Don't try and work that out. My math isn't much good. Just take my word for it and then work it out at the end of the service. But let's think about this at the moment. So we should be grateful to people like Bill Gates for his generosity. But, you know, when it comes to generosity, no one can match God. God is infinitely generous. So let's pray as we think about generosity at the moment. Heavenly Father, we come before you free from visual stimulation apart from what's around us and we ask Lord help us just to concentrate as we think about what it means to be generous about your generosity about the generosity of Jesus and as Christians what our generosity should be please be with us we pray in the name of Jesus Amen. So they're the three things I want to look at this morning. Firstly, the generosity of God. Secondly, the generosity of Jesus. And thirdly, the generosity of God's people. So if you've got a Bible there, um, or like me, if you've got a, your phone there and you've got a Bible on your phone, turn to our reading, first reading this morning, First Chronicles chapter 29, Verses 10 to 18. King David, immensely rich, the Bill Gates of his time, if you like, wanted to build a temple in Jerusalem for the glory of God and for God's people. But we discover in the previous chapter of First uh, Chronicles, in verse 6, that God says to him, Solomon, your son, is the one who will build my house and my court. So David really missed out.
But in the first nine verses of chapter 29, we read of the generosity and the giving of David and his people in order to build the temple. And David's prayer in verses 10 onwards is amazing. Have a look with me at verses 10 to 13. Here's David, this great man, great man of God, very, very wealthy. He says, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. And the prayer continues in verse 14. But this great man, this great leader, king of the Israelites, comes before God in humility and asks, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Now I want you to think about that. Everything comes from God and belongs to God. Now let it kind of process in your brain at the moment. Just think about that. Everything. Everything. Nothing is excluded. Every atom and molecule of air that we breathe. Every colour we can see and a myriad of colours beyond the spectrum of human sight. The universe, the stars, the planets, the moons, the awesome beauty of the earth. A beautiful summer's day and the crisp clarity of a winter's morning. And God's wonderful gifts to us of grace and mercy, love, forgiveness and justice. God's generosity is limitless. And that should really humble us in the same way as King David was humbled. But of course, God's supreme act of generosity was expressed in sending us the gift of his one and only Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we've seen, thought a little bit about the generosity of God. Now let's think about Jesus. And if you're really good at flicking in your Bibles, this would have been up in the screen. Um, I'm going to quote, uh, read from Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 8. Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 8. If you can't find it, it doesn't matter. I'll read it. Page 817. Thank you. Philippians 2, verses 6 to 8. Jesus, who, 
being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus gave up the power and the glory of heaven to become a helpless human baby, totally dependent on Mary and Joseph. He struggled with all the limitations that we have as human beings. He felt the pain of losing loved ones. In Hebrews 4.15, we read that he was tempted in every way as we are, yet he did not sin. He gave up his perfect life for us on the cross of Calvary. He became sin for us so that we don't have to bear the burden of sin ourselves. He held nothing back for us, nothing. He gave completely of himself. And in John chapter 1, verse 16, we read, For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. And using that kind of language there, it's grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. We, we just run out of breath and, and die. <laughs> um, so from his fullness, we have all received that grace. So how do we respond? Well, the third point here is the generosity of God's people. Those who follow the Lord Jesus Christ are called to be like him. So let me ask you, you don't have to answer um, aloud. You can if you want to. Are you known for your generosity? Is that something that people see? Um, oh, Russell's a Christian and you know, I can see he's a generous person. We can only be generous in the way we're called to be generous if we look past everything that will eventually pass away. Everything around us will fade away and focus on what has eternal value. Focus on the Lord. Focus on what he wants us to do. I love this uh, small passage and I'm going to ask you to look this up as well. First letter of John, towards the back of the Bible before Revelation, chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. If someone's got the page number there, could you yell it out, please? First, 854, thank you. This is a striking passage from John. He says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay 
down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. Let's not just talk about being generous. Let us be generous. As followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are called to be generous in our love for other people, in our forgiveness towards others, in our compassion and mercy for others. We are called to be generous in our hospitality towards others, in our care for the needy, in our personal prayer and Bible reading time that we come before God, hopefully, each day. And we need to be generous in giving our time and our money for the ministry of the church. Oh, yes, you knew that was coming, didn't you? Talk about generosity, the dollars are up there, um, Bill Gates. But honestly, friends, being generous as a Christian is about everything. Money's only a part of that. When I was uh, ministering in the Anglican church, um, I picked up a saying that I used quite often. It was, Anglicans have short arms and deep pockets when it came to their financial generosity. I hope that doesn't describe you. <laughs> We've got an Irishman here. <laughs> so each of these things that we can think of where we're called to be generous in is actually an act of love and a way of proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to other people. So how can you be a generous Christ Christian? Well, the sad news is that when you become a Christian, God doesn't just flick a switch and suddenly you can be so generous to everybody. You can love everyone. Oh, you can give as much away as you can. That doesn't happen. There's no switch. My experience is that whenever I think I've been able to overcome a lack of generosity towards someone, God sends another difficult person or situation in my path. Has that been your experience? You think, oh, I've just got this sorted, and then this happens. When I became a Christian, I was serving in the Air Force, and for nearly four years, I battled with this call on us to, be, uh, to love one another. From the, the passage from 1 John, uh, from Jesus' call on us in uh, John 13, to love one another. And I battled and battled. It was easy to love my wife, even though I lived with her. It was easy to love her. It might have been a bit harder for her to love me. It's easy to love members of family. Sometimes it is trying, but we love them. 
It's easy to love close friends. But there are people in all our lives that we battle with in trying to love. Don't we? If we're really honest, don't we battle? So I thought I'd come to terms with this and I was just about to leave the Air Force to go into theological college and I'd had this reputation in the Air Force as a a fixer, um, a fixer of people. Anyone that was struggling and looked like they were going to be dishonourably discharged or something like that, they'd send them along to me to sort out and they'd work for me for a while. Well, here I am thinking, oh, thank you, Lord, at last. I'm, I'm able to love even people that I, I don't like. I'm able to love them. Thank you so much. And they sent me Dave. Now, I thought, Lord, what are you doing to me? Here I am nearly at the end of my time in the Air Force after 14 years and going into theological college and I've sorted out this love thing. Why did you send me this man? He had a reputation throughout the Air Force of being a really nasty guy. Really nasty. Uh, He was about 27 years old and uh, just terrible reputation throughout the Air Force and I think the guy that was in charge of where we worked rubbed his hands together with glee and thought John's got another three months to go before he leaves for theological college we'll send him Dave get him straightened out so as soon as he arrived to work for me he knew I was a Christian um, that was apart from having a few things out on my desk that, you know, like a Bible, um, everything else. So every sentence was laced with blasphemy. I'm not kidding. Every sentence that came out of his mouth was laced with blasphemy. Now, I don't know about you. Uh, it's a, a regular word for most of um, the Western Hemisphere of the world. But every time someone uses Jesus' name in vain, I hurt inside. They don't, they don't really understand. They don't really understand what they're doing. But as a Christian, I do, and it hurts. So apart from that, um, he was sullen and surly, and um, I was his boss, Um, but he was quite rude to me and one day he was walking past my desk and he saw the photo of my wife and four children. Now, that was in the the 1970s, so yes, I'm old. Um, But at that time, we would go down to the supermarket at times with four children and we would get abused by people for having four children. Any of you that lived through the 70s, you might remember, you know, you don't have more, more than two children. That's it, one or two. So this fellow Dave just attacked me for having four kids. It was nasty. It was terrible. 
very hurtful. And I thought, I shot a prayer up to the Lord. Lord, what do I do with this guy? Um, it's really hard to love him. And I asked him in response to that prayer to come over and sit down with me. And I said, tell me about your family. How many kids have you got? Two. He said, oh, that's good. I, I suppose you really love those, your two kids? Of course I do. And I said, well, Dave, I've got four and I love my four children as much as you love your two children. And we had a bit of a chat and he started to settle down. Now, I'm talking three months before I was leaving. He didn't use the Lord's name in vain anywhere near as much after that. He came and sought out my help, um, which was very unusual for him. And the day I was leaving the Air Force, um, shaking everyone's hand and everything else, this Dave this nasty guy that I had learned to love with God's compassion came up to me, shook my hand and he said, well, John, you know that I'm not a Christian, but if I ever become one, I want to become one like you. Lessons learned in living out the Christian life. Now, I've got to tell you that I struggle and find that each time I'm faced with things, I have to humble myself before God and confess my difficulty and my sinfulness in not accepting or showing generosity in these situations. Friends, that is going to be with you. If you are a Christian, if you have committed your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and are following him, that will be with you until he returns or until you go to be with him. You will always have this. One minute you'll think, oh, thank you, Lord, I'm able to do this. I'm able to forgive that person. Thank you. And something else will happen and you'll have to start over again. So each time we need to seek his help and strength because it's only with his help, that we can overcome these things in our lives. And I can honestly say that in each situation that I've faced, God's grace and generosity has enabled me to be faithful and to offer generosity eventually. Sometimes it's a long time because I'm stubborn. But in every case, God has helped me do that. Are you a generous person? And when you're not, do you recognize that you're not? Do you go to Jesus? Do you pray, Lord, please help me to be a generous person with this person. Help me to love them the way you love them. Help me to forgive anything they've done to me. That's all a process. It's not something that happens instantly. Are you a generous person? That's the great challenge. 
James Montgomery Boyce was a Presbyterian minister um, and uh, scholar in the United States. He died a couple of years ago. He's written some marvellous stuff, if you ever get to read it. I say that, no one's perfect and some of his stuff isn't perfect, but it's really stimulating good stuff. So he wrote what I'm going to read now, but I've changed one word in it. I'm not going to tell you what it is. He says, How can we, who have known that that kind of generosity and benefited from it, be less than generous to others? How can we, who have known the generosity of God and the generosity of Jesus, be less than generous to others? He goes on to say, how can we do less than love them and carry the gospel to them with all the strength at our disposal? So, challenge for the day. Will you try, with God's help, to be a generous person? Will you make that a priority in your life? Let's pray.